For NPR Music, you're connected to all songs considered. I'm Bob Boylan. And I want to play some thrilling new music for you by Sonny War. The Nashville-based musician may be the first to tell you that she's filled with conflict. There's a self-destructive side that includes addiction and a strong desire to do good. On the musical side, there's a love of ACDC and Metallica and dusty Southern blues. For me, even her moniker, Sonny War, sounds like a mix of beauty and life struggles. Her new album is called Anarchist Gospel, and it begins with a song called No Reason. Hi, this is Sonny War, and my song No Reason was recorded at the bomb shelter in Nashville, Tennessee. And it's about the internal struggle that all people face just trying to, like, be the best version of themselves. And just the guilt that you feel when you're not being the best version of yourself. And it's just kind of also about the angel and the demon on our shoulders that, you know, is pulling us in one direction or the other. And we always try our hardest to make the right choices. But I think we all kind of struggle with it sometimes. Like every time maybe you say something rude or mean to somebody you love or every time you just like do something you regret, that guilt that you feel, I think that's what No Reason is about. It's just like you really are trying your hardest and you're still not gonna be perfect, but something in you really wants to be.
Sunny War. The first song from her album Anarchist Gospel is called No Reason. So around this time of year, I get new music that often has a Halloween connection. Maybe it's just me, but the neighborhood decorations of skeletons and tombstones, my brain begins to associate kind of a lot of things with Halloween. So the rest of the show leans towards the eerie and unusual, beginning with Andrew Bird and Phoebe Bridgers, a collaboration on a song called I Felt a Funeral in My Brain. As Andrew explains, it's based on an inspiring poem by Emily Dickinson. So I have this friend that teaches a class on Emily Dickinson, and he told me that there's this theory that all her poems can be sung to the tune of the Yellow Rose of Texas. I was looking at her poems with this in mind, seeking to prove or disprove it, and I was drawn in by this first line, I felt a funeral in my brain. And um, later on, I, I went back and checked if it was true. And it's, it doesn't quite work. Some of them, her poems do, yes, fit uh, that shape, but this one is a lot more wild. Nonetheless, I really love this poem, and I, I thought it would make a great song. This poem turns out to be just this amazing account of what it's like to be Emily Dickinson. And as if she went to the bottom of the ocean and came back and just reporting to you what it's like, it's most likely to be an account of severe depression, what it feels like. I was in the studio with Phoebe working on a song uh, that she was covering. And I said, hey, why don't we do an exchange? And would you consider singing on this? poem I've set to music and I told her the first line and she said yeah that that's that's my kind of thing so we spent a day in the studio and she came in and um kind of knocked knocked me out how just with her musicianship the pitch the phrasing the instincts were all just like immediately right on and she's got that kind of voice that that sounds like it's being beamed from inside your head so it was very different voice than mine and it was perfect for this sort of inner monologue that we're trying to split into a duet basically so this is what came of this collaboration um basically the inner monologue of a singular american poet Felt a funeral in my brain And mourners to and fro Tread and tread until it seems The sense was breaking through And when we all were seated Service like a drum Beating, beating till I thought My mind was going on My mind was growing And then I heard them lift a bar 
creek across my soul With the same boots to let again And space, space began to talk a funeral in my brain And mourners to and fro Treading, treading till it seemed The sense was breaking through Andrew Bird and Phoebe Bridgers in their musical rendition of a poem by Emily Dickinson called I Felt a Funeral in My Brain. Now to an anthemic song and a new one for Halloween from Sean Barna. I know Sean from his days as a DC musician and seeing him in a sparkling performance a few years ago back at South by Southwest. Here's his affirming nod to Halloween with a special meaning. I think for most people they look at Halloween as a day where they can dress up and maybe be more than what they are, or maybe just have fun or something. But in the queer community, it has been a day where we can dress as ourselves or be ourselves historically and uh, not get beat up or uh, ridiculed maybe. So when my friend Kyle Joseph asked if I'd write a song with him called Everyone's a Queen on Halloween because he saw me wear some ghost mask in a Instagram post, I said I would do it, but that I wouldn't make it campy I would take it seriously as I do any of my lyrics. And so uh, me and him and my friend uh, Dave Drago, who's produced a few of my records now, got together one afternoon and wrote this song. I'd say the lyrics took me about 15 minutes and uh, within an hour I had the vocal down. This is the first uh, straight up pop song I've ever written. 
it's meant to be fun, incorporating themes of Halloween and ghosts and blood and stuff. But it's about, um, you know, two people that are scared maybe to be in love or something, but still they, they go forward. And I think uh, a lot about being queer and proud or whatever is moving forward, even though uh, maybe you're scared at some point. And uh, it, it, it builds stronger people in the end.
Sean Barna and the song Everyone's a Queen on Halloween. Sean recently came off tour with Counting Crows and just signed to the label Kill Rockstars. So a lot of new music coming soon. Let's take a break and you're listening to All Songs Considered from NPR Music. Support for NPR and the following message come from State Farm, the 2022 lead sponsor of NPR Music. When NPR Music was born in 2007, few people guessed it would help launch countless new artists, build a global audience, and showcase the hugely popular Tiny Desk Concerts. For the past three years, State Farm has been NPR Music's lead sponsor, and now they're proud to support a celebration of 15 years of NPR Music with events at 930 Club in Washington, D.C. on November 28th and 29th. Both nights will feature performances from NPR favorites and the chance to discover new artists. And NPR Music will be streaming both nights live on their YouTube channel, so you can watch and dance along from home. Each event will also feature a special surprise guest. And after revealing their identity, you can keep the discovery going by heading to statefarm.com. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com to get a quote. It's All Songs Considered. I'm Bob Boylan with new music from John Cale. He's an artist that's been a big part of my life, making records, some of my very favorites, that are extremely game-changing records. From his time with the Velvet Underground, to his string of brilliant solo albums in the 70s, to working with the Stooges and producing Patti Smith's album Horses, and working with Brian Eno, it's a long list. And now, at age 80... The inventive John Cale has a new album, his first album of new songs in a decade. The album Mercy also includes collaborations with Animal Collective, Sylvanesso, and on this song, Story of Blood, we hear the ethereal voice of wise blood. When I write songs, I don't necessarily know what the subject matter will be in the end. It keeps me guessing, but rarely does it start with lyrics. The Story of Blood had a purposeful beginning. I had been commissioned to compose about 20 minutes of music expressly for the anniversary of the Hundred Years' War. While writing the main movement in a suite of songs, I wrote a version of Story of Blood. And it felt right for the moment, exposing how brutal war can be. I put the song away for a few years, and when I was working on what would become my album Mercy, I wrote an impromptu, liturgically tinged piano piece rewriting the song entirely. But questions inevitably arose. Must the cost of humanity have to be couched in the cost of losing your way? When people proselytize, insisting they have the answers wrapped up in pages of caramel-colored paper, the blunder of the tasteless, are we incapable of simply doing better for and by one another? As the new iteration of this song revealed itself, it became clearer to me that no matter how hard I tried to quash the redemptive narrative, it was already there. This is a story. The story of blood.
So that's John Cale. Uh, it's Story of Blood, uh, and the uh, record is called Mercy, uh, and it features Wise Blood, as you heard her ethereal voice in, in that song. And there's no uh, person I know who loves Wise Blood more on our team than NPR Music's Tom Heisinger. Hey, Tom. Hey, Bob. Thanks for having me. Well, actually, a lot. there are a lot of people on our team that, that like Wise Blood, and uh, so we're 
happy to have a new album from from that group. Yeah, but I, I don't think anybody else actually floated out the door of a concert the way you did back uh, a few years ago when we saw her uh, in D.C. <laughs> That's my memory. You know, for me, it's all about that voice and you know you could kind of barely hear it in that mix of the John Cale just it was kind of like this ghostly scrim of backing vocals but you know if you want to hear the voice in its full front and center glory then we we need to check out a track from the new new record so let's talk about wise blood and this new record well for me wise blood is all about that gorgeous voice of Natalie Merring and it always reminds me of Karen Carpenter and you can think what you want about the Carpenters as a group but that <laughs> that voice that voice of Karen Carpenter was a true treasure it was astonishing and Merring's voice is right in that category it's a truly beautiful instrument with a kind of white as snow purity but really expressive i mean her phrasing the way she sculpts the curves and melodies and rhythms is always so classy and so polished. And that, for me, along with really great arrangements and good songwriting, makes Wise Blood a really fantastic band. This song is called Grapevine, and it's on the new record, which is called And In the Darkness Hearts Aglow. And you know, there's a mention of. I mean, if we if we're having a kind of a ghostly or some uh, um, paranormal theme, <laughs> I mean, there there is a mention of a ghost town in this song, but I think it's more of like the ghost of a relationship that has died. You know, maybe on the vine, <laughs> you know, on the grapevine somehow.
the music of Wise Blood. That's W E Y E S Blood, uh, and it's a beautiful album coming out November eighteenth called "And in the Darkness, Hearts Aglow." Tom, I'm really glad you played Grapevine and hearing it again and uh, hearing the sort of road trip story of relationship and so forth. All right, and that beautiful arrangement. There's organ, tuba, harp, tubular bells, strings, brass. Wow. It's uh, really nice. That's beautiful. Now, I was listening to a bunch of music, and, and it just seems like this time of year, things come in with, or at least my brain connects things to uh, Halloween, whether they are or, or they are not. I heard this music of Hildegard von Bingham, and I know what a, a lover of that music you are and uh, sent it to you. And it felt haunting to me. And you could tell me more about this than I know, other than I love the beauty in this spaciousness in this next song. Yeah, I think we're going from the sublime of wise blood to the kind of uh, mystic and weirdness of this version of a Hildegard von Bingen tune. And Hildegard is, um, gosh, she's one of the most amazing figures in the medieval era. She was a an abbess, a composer, I mean, a true polymath and a mystic. She was born in 1098 about 30 miles southwest of Frankfurt, Germany. And in her own time, she was really well known for her scientific and medical writings. As a youngster already, she had these paranormal mm. visions that later the church allowed her to actually express in words. And that became some of her mystical poetry and made it into some of her music. She was sought out by popes, emperors, politicians. She started her own Benedictine Abbey in about 1150, and really there were few, if any, women that had ever held sway like this before. And in, in terms of her music, it's just amazing that about 75 pieces of hers, you know, have remained from the Middle that's, Ages. That's mind-blowing. That is mind-blowing. And it's, it's also kind of weird that we actually know the date that she was born. So there's, there's quite a bit about her that we know, and her music is in that kind of, Gregorian chant, plain chant style, but it is really unique to her because of what she does with the melodies, how she embellishes the melodies. So you'll hear in this Ave Maria, which is not unlike the plain chant formula where you've got this uh, almost drone-like foundation underneath, and then you have this melody that floats on top of it. And that's pretty typical. But uh, in this version, we hear by this pair of, uh, this New York-based pair of guys, Micah Frank and Chet Doxis. The record is Music of Hildegard von Bingen, Part 1. And it's way out there, Bob. <laughs> I, and I'm so, cl <laughs> so glad I got to know it because it's really, it's Hildegard for the weirdo drone geeks. And I, I count myself solidly in that camp, so... This song is like some scratchy old radio transmission with ticks and pops, and you've got this wheezy squeeze box that turns out to be a heavily processed clarinet, and that takes up Hildegard's serpentine melody and just kind of floats and soars above a drone that, I don't know for you, but at times I felt it almost, the drone was very Indian, like the tempura-sitar kind of combination Things kind of tinkle and hum along, and the tinkling part is the wonderful harp playing of Mary Lattimore, who makes a guest appearance on this record. Um, but it's all in this weird, claustrophobic, hazy bog of sound, and 
I mean, I don't know what you think about it, Bob, but it's ambient. It's like Hildegard von Bingen goes ambient. So it is, you know, like Eno says, it is as ignorable as it is listenable. But to me, I find it just mesmerizing and meditative. And it completely shifted the tone in the room that I was uh, in when I, when I listened to it. And that's what I, I, I madly loved about it. Yeah, it's a, it's a really out there and legitimate and interesting take on, on medieval music. Great. Let's hear it. And we'll go out on that. Uh, on all songs considered. Thanks, Tom Heisiger, for enlightening us and uh, putting us in the mood uh, with some beautiful music. Be well, my friend. All right. Thanks for having me, Bob. For NPR Music, it's all songs considered. <laughs> <laughs>